You are now listening to the number one podcast. You have been digital interrupted. I am digital. All right, guys. So you guys know how it is. You know what it is. We are back for another episode of Digitally Interrupted. And, you know, I'll just introduce this man here. You know, most of you guys hate him. Most of you guys love him. You know, I guess, I guess it all, you know, picks on, you know, who's ever the preference. But, you know, we have here, most of you guys know him as Simon. And I'm going to introduce you guys to Bezad Dabu. So what's going on, sir? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Anytime, like, you know, I like to have you here in the house. You know what I mean? Just kick your feet up, relax, you know. So, um, you know, let, let people know, you know, who you are that may not know you, because a lot of people just know you as like a couple, you know, one character, you know, and also a lot of people don't even know that you were in the shy as well. Right. So that's um, something else, you know, so let, let them know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was born in Boston. I was raised in upstate New York, in Syracuse, New York. And I, uh, I've always been an actor. I went to school in Chicago. I stayed in Chicago for 10 years. And while I was in Chicago, I was doing a lot of stage work. Um, uh, I did a lot of great roles and a lot of new plays. And I worked on with playwrights on new play development. Um, and I also worked on a lot of activism stuff, working on representation for uh, people of color. Um, and then from there, I did a play that kind of took me all across the country. It was a show called Disgraced. And that show took me to the West Coast. I did a West Coast tour on Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. And when I was in Los Angeles, I started doing a little television, and I decided to stay. So that's how I got here. Um, and then here, I've done a bunch of television shows from, you know, How to Get Away with Murder and The Shy, but also The Good Place and All Rise and Drive Share and some films. Um, so some cool stuff. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of uh, telling stories and I love the idea of, I was always like a storyteller. Like even when I was young, I was always like making up stories and making things a little more, you know, embellished. And even like as a little kid, I think, um, I remember when I, I had a, a little bike and like the bike chain fell off of my bike and I went home and I told my mom that like a bunch of dudes jumped me and messed up my bike chain. Even though obviously like nobody hurt me and I didn't, you know, when I was a kid, but like I was just always on time to tell stories. So then I was like, my mom was smart enough to put me into a, you know, community theater and school theater program so that I could sort of get that energy out and have an outlet for that place. Um, but also, interestingly enough, my mom was in theater when she was a kid. So it was kind of like, and her dad was in theater when he was a kid. So it is kind of like a family thing. Um, but I, I kind of, when I got it, when I dive in, I always like to dive into things. So I really dove in and then decided to go to school for it and really like learn the craft, you know? Yeah, you know, Kobe Bryant. So I was, I'm, I am, was, always have been a massive basketball fan. I'm like an NBA nut. In fact, today I'm doing a, a live fantasy draft for the upcoming season. So I keep checking my phone, like who, when I'm on Jack. But, um, but um and my, my guy, I loved Jordan, and then I loved Kobe, and now I love LeBron. And I um, I feel like they're all the GOAT, you know? And Kobe, though, for me, was like the number one influence in my life because just of age, right? You know, I was like pre-pubescent when I started being a fan of Kobe all the way through my adulthood, that whole like 25-year span. And um, 
he has this mentality about work ethic that I've always put into my acting. So interesting when people ask me like, who are my biggest influences, even in acting, my answer is Kobe because it was about the work ethic and the way he was trying to get better and taking the talent that he had and making it go beyond. Because I have talent. I have talent enough to be good at things. I have talent enough to like let me skate by, but it's not the talent that can make you impact lasting change and be one of the great ones and be one of the people that is respected in the industry by peers. And so, yeah, that sort of Mamba mentality, they call it, is is something that really is a huge influence to me. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear about that, that Mamba mentality because, you know, it's just something that's not, I think a lot of people know about it, but I just don't think people really take heed to it or study it. And, you know, I think a lot of people, if you do get a chance, get that book, there's a book out, um, Mamba mentality. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's definitely a lot of great quotes in there, there's a lot of great lessons in there. Um, you guys all definitely need to take a chance and, uh, you know, take a chance and actually check that out. Um, so with Kobe being that influence, um, how do you bring that to this, like to your sets and to the stage? Like, is there a certain, um, is there a certain routine you go through to, you know, get your lines together? Like what, what's a regular day for Bezad? You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of actors. Um, well, I'll say two things. One is a lot of actors don't, have training. So the first thing I think is important is get training. And that doesn't necessarily mean spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and go to a big university. That's one way to do it. But you can also go to acting schools, you can work with acting coaches, you can read books, you can watch, you can get master class, you can you can go on YouTube. So there's ways to do it that are affordable as well. So I don't like that as an excuse, right? So the first thing is like is get training. And then the second thing is how do we implement that training? So for me on set, I'll just give you a couple examples, right? Like yeah, I could learn my lines a non-actor thinks that's the hard part. That's the easiest part, the line learning. But the hard part is like, okay, how am I gonna be prepped on set to make sure everyone can do their best? If I make them look good and they make me look good, then we're gonna look good, right? And so how am I understanding what the camera does? Understanding where the props are, understanding what the lens is, what's the shot, what are they going for? How can I, you know what I mean? I'll tell you something else. When, there, when, you're, when you're in a two-person conversation, the camera's over your shoulder for the conversation, then they do it again, and the camera's over another shoulder for the conversation. So it's this back and forth, so they can switch back and forth. You know, when the camera's behind you, a lot of times when you watch that in movies, you're not watching the actor. You're watching what they call a stand-in or a double. So this is somebody else right here. But when you're doing that, the actor that the camera's on is just playing off nothing, is just playing off somebody like this or playing off somebody on their phone like this. So I like to be there for that so that that actor has me to play off. So it's the same thing. So I can be giving them that same energy that they can be playing off of. That kind of shit does nothing for me, but helps the project. I don't need to be there. I can have a stand and be there, but like I want to be there to give them something to act off of. And so that type of thing is like, Mamba mentality. Like, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Let's go. You don't need to go into your trailer. Let's make the project better. If you make the project better, you're better. That's dope. And, you know, um, you know, since we're like, before we get into the deeper part of your story and your activism, because I definitely want to dive into that because I think that's such a dope thing because like, you know, I, I when I when I structured this interview, I didn't want to interview you so much about the acting because there's yeah. so much to you beyond beyond the acting that sure. I think matters more you know, where you can change lives on the set, but I think what you do off the set matters to me more, in my opinion, in my preference. For sure. For sure. Um, when you were, when, you know, when you were doing, uh, when you were doing How to Get Away with Murder, 
how how was like what was your energy like because for some people you know most people say oh you know i'm i'm like it's kind of like a fly on the wall situation where you're just kind of sucking in all the energy because a lot of people there are experienced, you know, people right. get, people would think like, Oh, Viola Davis, like, wow. Like you must've been starstruck. Like, what was that? Like that experience? Like, yeah. Viola Davis is a legend, right? Legend. So that's the equivalent of stepping on the basketball court as a young buck playing against Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Or playing on the same team as Kobe Bryant. Right. Um, and so like Viola Davis is legendary, um, but she's an actor. And she's a real actor and I'm a real actor and we both are trained. We both worked at the same theaters. I'm not saying I'm as good as Viola Davis. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm, what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is like, I have the same vocabulary as Viola Davis. We have the same baseline training. We have the same core um, understanding, right? She's just at a legendary level of that, of that understanding, but we have the same core understanding. We could talk the same language. And to be honest, not a lot of actors can. So I feel very confident on any set I walk in and that's not arrogance, that's preparation. I really feel like I could walk on a set tomorrow with Viola Davis and Meryl Streep and Denzel Washington and, and Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Spielberg. And I, I'm not saying I'll be as good as them or whatever, but what I'm saying is I can talk with them. I can, I can go toe to toe with them because we have the same level of understanding as an actor versus there are actors with more experience than me, but with less training and less understanding, you know? Um, I've, I've worked on stages all over the country and dealt with every problem an actor can deal with. And so I'm ready to go. So I just kind of took that energy to it. I was like, you're here and I'm here. So if I'm here and if you're here, then we're here today. And we are the senior part of today. So I'm not gonna sit here and be starstruck. That being said, I learned so much. I did absorb everything like a sponge. I was like, okay, okay, so that's what three cameras can do together. That's how they're editing this. Oh, I got it. Okay, so that's how, that's what that dude's job is. Oh, that's what her job is. Oh, I get it. Like, because on a set, there's 500 people. It's like a little city. And sometimes you're like, why are there 18 people behind the camera? And you're like, oh, every single person has something to do that's different. So like, for me, it was like understanding every little aspect. Because when I understand what that person does and what that, when that, what that woman's job is, I'm like, oh, that makes that makes me understand what's going on. So I was like absorbing like it was grad school. Right. And then, you know, that, you know, everybody, I, I always tell people like, I like to, I like to know the stories before as well. So what was your first audition? Like, like what was that first audition? Like, yeah, I think it's interesting to tell people this, but auditions are kind of all the same. They're just a little different level of importance to them. So even if you are a sixth grader auditioning for your school play of, you know, Oklahoma, you go up there, you prepare material, and you stand in front of the decision makers and you deliver your material. And then when you get to a bigger um, point, even if you're auditioning for a, you know, a David Fincher movie, you still prepare material, stand in front of the decision makers and deliver the material. You know, it's kind of all the same, but the level of sort of stress around it changes and the amount of people you're doing it in front of changes. Um, usually like 30 white men in suits, if we're being honest. Um, but that's pretty much every time I've auditioned for something has been for 30 white men in suits. Um, but yeah, my first auditions were always like, I look at you auditions good, no as a chance to perform. There you go. All right. So hard to yeah, you know, in this industry. Have, so I'm like, I, um, okay, today's the day I get a chance. I have felt like oh, I could have done better. I could have done better. I don't often bomb. 
Mm -hmm. I'm just too prepped for that. But like, I, I do often feel like, ah, I could have done better or that situation could have been better. I could have answered that question better. I could have, right. I could have done that. Sometimes I feel like I could have prepared more. I'm like, ah, if I had only prepared more, I could have taken that note better or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but the truth is actors don't get 99% of the auditions we audition for. Mm-hmm. And it's not until you are a mega star. I, even your favorite TV show actors and your favorite movie actors still audition and lose roles and don't get things that they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might be 10 people on earth who kind of have the choice of whatever they want to do. You know, we're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt mm-hmm. and Denzel Washington right. and, and those people for sure, right? But like, that's a very small list mm-hmm. because even half the Marvel stars are still auditioning for things. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's tough. And it's just a different category. And so when I don't get something, I'm like, you know, I could have done amazing. I could have done that perfectly well, but I'm not going to get it because the woman they cast is taller than me. Or I'm not going right. to get it because they don't like my beard today. Or I'm not going to get it because, you know, I don't have enough Instagram followers. Or whatever the thing is that right, I can't right, control, right. you know. And then um, how do you take the energy that you put on set um with the activism that you do and how you're involved in so many different, you know, communities and different, you know, um, organizations. Um, tell us how you, you know, you transitioned from if, if it came first, if the activism came first and then acting or was it acting first and then activism second. So how did that transition happen for you? I didn't realize this till later in life, but it came together because I always wanted to be an actor, but nobody looked like me on television. And so I'm in the 90s watching television and I'm only watching black shows. I'm watching, you know, In Living Color and Living Single and Sister Sister and Martin and Fresh Prince and Cosby Show because, um, and so many more, right? But it's because nobody looked like me on television and I related more to those families than I did to the white families on television for white sitcoms. Um, And the only character that was a Middle Eastern or South Asian character on television the only one, like literally the only character was Apu on The Simpsons. And that's an animated character. And that was voiced by a white guy. So there was just really no representation. So now fast forward, I'm like 17, 18 years old thinking I want to go to college for this. But thinking I want to go to college to be an actor, but I've never seen an actor that looks like me on television. That's rough. And that really started my representation activism. How do I make it so that there's no child in 2030 that wants to be an actor thinking nobody looks like him on television. So I started working, I was a founding member of something called the Chicago Inclusion Project, because I was in Chicago at the time, which seeks to level the playing field for women and people of color, LGBTQ communities in the industry. Basically any underrepresented minorities, how can we increase their representation? Because the truth is the majority of television is still white. And the only diversity that they do have is usually black. And there is like, And there's not enough black representation. There's not. But at the same time, there's no, almost no Latinx representation. There's almost no Middle Eastern representation. There's almost no Indian American television. So I've created now an Indian American uh, family drama that I'm working to get on television, um, inspired by my family story, which I can hope to be the first Indian American family show that's been on television. But working on that has made me realize that it's all connected. So because nobody has seen people like us on television and people don't know people like us in real life, they believe the stereotypes. So you're going to believe 
when Donald Trump says the Muslims are dangerous if you don't know any Muslims. You're going to believe that the Mexicans are rapists coming over the border if you don't know any Mexican immigrants, right? And so the representation feeds directly into the television because the television shows us as Muslim terrorists and they show them as Mexican rapists and they show them as black thugs and they show them as, you know, Latina maids and they show them as these things where you just like all these negative stereotypes are reinforced. So I started working with Black Lives Matter. And I started working with reform LA jails and I started working in the political system to be like, all of this is together. We can't, we can't just change one thing. We change representation, which might change outlooks. We change outlooks, which might change voting outcomes. We change voting outcomes, which might change how the jail system works and the jail system works is how our money works and how our money works is how cops work. And it's all connected. Right. So right now, all those sort of things that are passionate to me are working in my life at the same time. I'm spending equal energy on all those things. That's dope. That's that's very dope because, you know, we find a lot of people who gain a little bit of success and they just kind of forget the, you know, forget where they came from. They kind of forget the cause. They forget their impact that they have outside, you know, and that's really dope. And I definitely commend you. You know, I, I, I hope, you know, if I can help in any way, you know, let me know because I'm definitely down if I can cause some type of, you know, exposure to whatever you're trying to do, you know, on that side of, of the country. <laughs> I'm down for it, you know. Um, you're already doing it. You're already, you know, you're already bringing exposure to the uh, uh, different and underrepresented voices. And yeah. if you happen to know any of those rich white dudes in suits, let them know that there's a show. Right. Hey. Need to be producing. Hey, listen, man. Hey, listen. You know, you know, I do video, and you know, you know, I, you know, I'm a cameraman. So, you know, right. first, so you know, if you at any point, if you get to the point where you like, you know what, if nobody else is gonna put any money behind this, I'll just do it myself. By all means, yeah. let me know. I will fly across and we will figure out a way to do that because I think that's something that needs to come out, period. However it comes out, it just needs, it needs even if happen. it yeah. needs to happen. So um, it will happen. And honestly, like there's always things, there's always sizzle reels and there's always mm -hmm. things like that we need to create. Yep. So we'll be yep. in touch. Sure. Yeah, let, let's definitely talk about that because if we can get one scene done just to kind of pitch it, to kind of get a budget for it, we'll, you you know how we do it. Yeah. So um. You know, now, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, your parents and, you know, the influences they had on you. Um, your dad has a great, uh, you know, he had, he had a great way of putting things in, into perspective, you yeah. know, and I, I think that, you know, my audience needs to hear that story because I think it would help them get a perspective of, you know, how we judge people around us, you know, around and how we're judged and how we're looked at, but also why we should just keep pushing forward and not always think about so, okay, so there's a thing in America, right, where the, there's non-white people, you know, people of color or BIPOC or whatever you want to call it today. And they all experience racism. You know, I was in high school after 9-11. I experienced racism. You know, uh, Latinx people experience racism. We can see that in their jail rates. And black people experience racism. But I don't like when we lump them together. And sometimes what I hear from people from people of all races is like, well, look at the Asian community. They don't have violence in their communities or look at the Indian American community. They're one of the wealthiest communities in America. They've done it. And they, it's like, we call that the model minority myth. Like the model minority is the Asians or the Indians or the whatever it is. And I think that that is incredibly dangerous and it is um, untrue. And the reason why is black Americans are the only group of people and indigenous people that when they came here, it wasn't by choice. 
And so when they came here not by choice and then denied education at every step of the way and denied income inequality at every step of the way and literally obstacles placed in their way at every step of the way. So to compare that situation to a group of people who mostly chose to come here for college, over 90% of Indian American, Middle Eastern, South Asian people that come to this country, they come here for college and then they stay. So now they're starting at a baseline of a college education and knowing where they came from. Whereas black Americans literally cannot trace their lineage because it is stolen from them and then denied our civilization. So it's not the same thing. So I think we need to say, and I work with a group called South Asians for Black Lives. And it's like, we need to understand that it's different. That being said, do we all experience racism? Yes. Do we all experience prejudice? Yes. But we experience it in different ways. That's crazy, you know, and, um, you know, I appreciate you even sharing that because that just kind of gives people a different perspective of what's going on around them and just gives them something to pay attention to, you know, and just not, you know, just not ignore it or just kind of like be passive about it. But it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And I just think that we all need to come together at some point, you know, and figure it out, you know, just figure out how we can build each other, you know, in those instances. Yeah, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why I like sports so much, actually. Why I like that. And I really, when I say sports, I just mean the NBA. I don't follow any other sports. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> but one of the reasons why I like the NBA so much is because there's truly nothing else that I can think of. Okay. Truly nothing else I could think of that I could sit with someone on the other side of the aisle and talk about for an hour. Mm, like, right. like maybe movies, but like, I'm, I'll just say it out here. I'm not a Trump supporter and I don't fuck with his supporters. Right. But I'll just say that out here. But like, cause I think they're actively voting against me and my family's best interest. Understood. But, but if, if there was a Trump supporter on their side and we, all we could do is sit and talk about the Lakers or the Nets or the Bucks. I could do that. Right. I could legit. And so I think there's power there in right. a way that that is a, a topic that can get two people on opposite ends of the spectrum and they could talk. I mean, I can't talk with a racist about nothing, but if I was talking to a racist about the bulls, I might not even know I was talking to a racist. Right. Very true. And so, and so it's like, it's one of those things. And I want to know how can we leverage that? Maybe we could do that with movies. Maybe we could do that with television shows, things that connect everybody. But sports has always been a way where I could be sitting right next to a, a, whoever, who I disagree with, but like we could right. be talking about Kobe and LeBron and we could chop it up all night. Right. That's, and that's, that's crazy that, you know, certain things like that, you know, can bring people together that are on opposite sides of the spectrum in a sense. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, but with, with all the organizations that, you know, you're involved with, what other ways are you um, connecting to the, to the communities around you at all? What way am I connected to the communities around me? Yeah, like how, how else are you connecting? Like, are you going out to do like motivational speaking or anything yeah, else? I, I, I'm not doing that. But what I do is I really, really love giving back to early career artists. Okay. So I'm actually, you know what? <laughs> I've been thinking about this. I'm just going to make it a reality right here, right now on the show. What's up? I've literally been, I've literally been like thinking about doing this, but I'm just going to like say it. And now once I say it, it's going to have to get done. Let, let it out. So I want to start for 2021. I want to have I want to have a, a group of early career artists of color, early career, like out of college. OK, and I want to provide a space for free where twice a month we can meet on Zoom mm -hmm. and we could just ask questions and help each other out. It'll be a group of like 10 early career artists and myself. I'll lead it as like a mentorship program for free where right. they could say, 
Hey, I just graduated. I want to know how to get an agent. Hey, I just, I got an email from this manager. I don't know how to respond or, Hey, this dude was creepy. How do I respond to the situation professionally? Or, Hey, you know, I wrote this pilot. How do I get it in the hands of this person? You, because they don't teach that to anybody and everybody is just lost trying to figure it out and, and getting bad advice from here and there. And I want to provide a group. So we meet twice a month and you show up for an hour and we just talk and we get answers to our questions to help people go forward in their career faster. So that's something I want to do for free. Um, there'll be a program on my website I'm going to create. I don't even know what I'm going to call it yet. Um, gotcha. But there'll be a probably a video application where someone just sort of like records themselves for two minutes on their cell, cell phone, like mm -hmm. why they want to be a part of the program and why they should be. We'll have an email address to send them those to. And we will we'll pick like 10 to 12 people and we'll do that. And it'll be probably for a year. And we'll just like, like a couple times Not a month bad. meet. And I want to give back in that way. I, I love coaching auditions for people. Right. I love, you know, working with people on industry coaching, like really understanding the business behind it. Cause that's everything. And so that's how I kind of give back. Cause I think no one ever taught me that stuff. Right. I mean, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm all with you with activism. I am a environmental activist. So I, I definitely understand when it comes to activism, how much things are important in a mission. Um, I also started my nonprofit organization in July um, for me to be helping to teach photography and videography, you know, oh, as, a, as yeah, as, a, as an outlet for kids, you know, inner city kids who are, you know, just looking for an outlet, you know, just to do something. So, I mean, me and you can talk, you know, off the show. I'll, I'll talk to you about it because I know we probably have some kids on the East Coast. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, yes. Zoom, it can be anywhere. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, if me and you could talk about that, I'll, def I'll definitely, you know, work with you on that just to, you know, hold down the East Coast and bring some kids in from the East Coast. So, you know, um, if you need some help, you know, hosting, you know, it's because it's I feel like art is just a universal, you know, thing. And when you put acting, yeah. you put, you know, videography, photography, screenwriting, um, auditioning, like it all comes together. And, it, and like you said, just like basketball, it brings us all together, man. You yeah, know, and like there could be a whole month about um, just like their pictures and headshots and stuff, and maybe yeah. Could, that means yeah, we could definitely yeah, we'll talk about that off that. Yeah. Um, what is well ran right into the last question where we like to leave it off with positivity here. Yeah. What is some advice that you would want to give um, to somebody who's coming in? They don't got to be coming in as an actor though. Anything in life, you know. Yeah. What is some advice you would have for them to accomplish what they're going for? I think, um, and this isn't me being like an old man and saying like the new generation today. It's not that. Right. I'm just saying we have so much access now that other generations didn't have. And so I now think that there's no excuse to not have a base knowledge of things because yeah. it's so important to come in trained and have done research. And it's like before when you had to go to the library and get an encyclopedia and if it was printed the right edition you could read about it fine or you had to know the right person or you had to have the right connection but now my god you could learn how to be a stock trader on youtube you can learn real right. estate on youtube right. you can yep. you get a book for anything you could order a book and it is in your apartment the next day so like forget that you could order a book and download it in 30 seconds yep. and it's on your phone that you could, you know what I mean? So it's like that you could listen to while you're working out. Like there's so much access to things that right. it actually kind of bothers me and shocks me when people show up to, you know, something without a base knowledge that a Google search would have solved. So whatever it is you really want to do, do you really want to do it if you haven't done all that first? Because for me, 
If I really want to do something, I'm going to research it. I'm going to Google it. I'm going to YouTube it. I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to, I'm going to hear what the experts say. I'm going to hear what the differing opinions are. What's the dissenting opinions? What are the controversies? How do I feel about it? Then I'm going to go to my uncle's friend or my brother's you know, girlfriend or whoever it is and be like, right. yo, will you sit with me and talk about it? Because right. sometimes what happens is I'll do that favor for somebody like, I'll have coffee with an early career young artist or I'll have coffee with like a young actor or something who's trying to break in. And I'm like, you haven't done anything. And that tells me something. Yeah. It's like, I'm not expecting you to know everything. You're new. I get that. But you haven't done anything. And that shows me that where's your drive or your passion to do it? Because there's so much access out there. Like, you know what I mean? Do you, does that vibe what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think and I think that takes heed to where, you know, me, I'm self-taught. Um, I just went back to school uh to get my math, uh, not my math, to get my bachelor's in uh digital cinematography. Cause you know, in this industry, you gotta have a piece of paper because it helps you get through certain doors that you won't be able to get through without it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who know who you know, you know, you right. still gotta get that paper. But um I, I can attest to that YouTube has been I'm I'm a graduate of YouTube University, man. Yeah. I think I got about 10 plus years. I probably got my PhD in YouTube at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm not afraid to ask questions either. You know, I don't act like Absolutely. I know it all, you know, and that's where I think a lot of like the new generation, they just don't think they have to ask. It's kind of like, even though you have the access to it, but think about if, when we used to go to the libraries, if you didn't know something, you had to ask your teacher about it. So either way, you're old, not going to get all the answers on Google or YouTube, because sometimes you may not initially understand it. You just need somebody else's perspective to give you a better understanding of things. And, you know, I just think that a lot of people just need to come to an understanding that you may not know it all. It's, it's yeah. all right though. Yeah. You know, in acting, there's like a real basic, basic, uh, simple terminology. It's, it's called, there's a, the bigger name is called Stanislavski, but like the basic simple terminology is every character has an objective, has an obstacle, and tactics to get around the obstacle, right? So every character wants something, there's something in that character's way, and so they got ideas to get around it. That's just a basic, like, level one acting thing. So I would love, if I was meeting with an early career actor, for example, and they came to me and they were like, I'm having trouble with these tactics, with these certain obstacles, or I'm having trouble playing these things. Or if they were like, I understand the agent and manager thing, but I'm struggling with which one to do first. These are valid questions, these are good questions. But coming to somebody and being like, what's an obstacle? Or, you know, what's a, what's an agent? It's like, see, that you haven't done the basic work that you could do on your own. And that shows me, not that, you know, whatever. It just shows me, do you have the passion? Do you have the drive? Do you have the mom right. mentality that is necessary? Right. And so I guess what I would say, my advice to a young artist is absorb, learn, um, work hard, and like do everything you can do yourself. And then when you get to a point, where you can't, that's the point to reach out and like right. ask questions and, and get knowledge from your connections and do the things. I had a great teacher tell me this phrase, which I love. Give what you can and take what you need. Right. right. Give what you can and take what you need. Because no. you need both. You need help from people and you need to be able to give it. So give what right. you can and take what you need. Yep. And and I, I appreciate you for saying that because um, you know, I've always believed in that, that we don't get inform I don't feel like we're blessed with information to have it and hold on to it and take it to the grave. Like right. it's meant to pass on because it just goes on and on. You know what I mean? So That's um, right. you know, 
I, I would love for you to let people know, you know, how they can, um, you know, follow you on Instagram. If you know, yep. you have any, any social medias, how they can support you, you know, because right now let's be real. It's, it's a struggling creative world right now, you know, yep. and you know, it, you know, is there any way that, you know, um, just let them know how they can find you and how they can support you at the same time. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do this program for sure. So I'll post about it on my social media. Okay. Um, so I have uh, two major things. I have um, um, uh, Twitter, which is at Dabu, and Instagram, which is at Dabu. And I'm going to spell that for y'all. It's B-E-H-Z-A-D-D-A-B-U. You can find me there on both uh, channels. I'm also on Cameo. Um, so I'm, I'm at all those things. And hit me up and uh, uh, let me know your thoughts. Yeah, and definitely let and you know just let you guys know as well. Any actors that may be watching this right now, he does do audition classes, so he teaches you how to get through auditions. So take heed in that. This this man here is knowledgeable, and you know at the same time he doesn't act like he's above any actor. I've, I've like I said, I've I've had a couple. I've already had a couple conversations with this guy, and he is definitely one of those guys that will get down to where you, he need, you know, where you guys are at. He's not going to act above you, but he's going to make sure you get what you need and knowledge. That. You know? that's, true, so, that's how I try to be. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, once again, like I said, man, we're going we're gonna to definitely talk off of this about the program. We're going to definitely talk about some future stuff that we can help these younger creatives with, man. And, um, you know, like I said, I appreciate you coming on by to the house, you know, and like I said, you're always invited here. So like I said, any new accomplishments, you want to get that exposure out, please come on back at any time. You know, the number just let me, let me know, man. Thanks for having me. Nah, no, no problem, man. You are now listening to the number one podcast. You have been digital interrupted. Oh. I am digital. Oh.